Oh, I have a headache. Maybe it's a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's the Sean Geek Podcast, which I download off of SeanMcGinnity.ca. The Sean Geek Podcast, which you download off of SeanMcGinnity.ca? That's right. And you should too. Don't cop out. that that was my tv reflection i'm doing very well there we go awesome all right now i can see todd i just had to shift around my camera a little bit Uh, two big bald heads it takes a lot of screen space great start (laughs) yeah i was gonna ask all three of you when Corey was here if like how badly has this quarantine affected like your haircut schedule? Because I know, like for me, it's just been uh just ridiculous. But yeah, I don't know. You cut your it's own hair? Here. <laughs> no, thank God my barber was open yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you have a before shot? Uh, it's just all up, basically. <laughs> just, oh, wait, does okay. it does it throw out? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. It's so curly, it just... Like Carlito from, like, WWE Pro, or... I like I like the reference. I like the <laughs> reference. Yes, exactly like Carlito. Awesome. Carlito's my hero. <laughs> the laziest man in wrestling. Got paid yeah. a shit ton of cash. <laughs> and got I'm called sorry. out by Ric Flair. For being lazy. Uh, all right, well, okay. hey, we're yeah. going to try this again. We can do this as often as we want. Is this easy for you? Yeah, this is super easy now, yeah. All right. Originally, I was I was going through my laptop to try and do this, and I even got a, a new microphone. You guys might... Uh, nice. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Is that a, yeah. Was that a Yeti or something? Yeah, blue blue Yeti or whatever. Yeah. So, but then my laptop was being kind of a jerk about the whole going online thing. So I was like, screw it, go to my phone. Yeah, That's I don't. The first thing I was like, can you hear me? I think the go live <laughs> thing doesn't work well with it. Doesn't like anything but Apple. Yeah. Because when I tried to make it work, it brought me. It says, oh, you just need to download this new thing. So I was like, oh, hey, download for your Apple. I'm like, I don't have a fucking Apple. <laughs> Yeah, there's no brand allegiance there. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I'm not an Apple guy, that's for damn sure. Well, as soon as the geeks all no. get Apple iPhones, you know. <laughs> yeah. That means we're making money if we all have Apple iPhones. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the only sure. money I'm making is given to me by the government right now. So. <laughs> yeah, right on. So uh, you're able to use your comedian status to um, to get your Serb check? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. The hospitality industry isn't really booming right now. So <laughs> that's no. awesome. Imagine. Yeah. So what's the last show you played? Oh Lord. I'm just trying to think now. It's been so long. Uh, 
Um, well, I'd probably have to say it was a corporate function just after Christmas. So, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. And uh, some shows down in the States that we don't technically get paid for. Yep. <laughs> Which probably pay better sure. than anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See, you don't get paid. You don't get paid in the States? Uh, well, technically, I'm not allowed to work in the States yet. I haven't gotten my... Uh, I'm in the process of getting my J Treaty, which is basically a work visa for Indians. So (laughs) J Treaty sounds like like, sounds like a wrestler name. Yeah, J Treaty. (laughs) It's all based on my Blood Quantum too, which is another cool wrestler name. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Are you familiar with James Beaver? James Beaver, Local, (laughs) local wrestler, another local wrestler. Am I being punked? Is that why this is being recorded? <laughs> okay, James, jump him! <laughs> uh, J- no, James I'm not. And Steph- Sorry, go ahead. Not familiar with James B. <laughs> Look at Sean was- with all the obscure wrestling. <laughs> I know. Well, actually, they're, they're- <laughs> I thought you were a wrestling fan. I guess I'm wrong. Oh, oh. I don't want to oh. go there. Oh. <laughs> Um, actually, well, they're two, they're two podcasters actually. And, uh, and we talk to James. Oh, I talk to James all the time. Someone have, is someone starting with the uh, whipped cream? It's like, do we need to like turn the camera off or? No. <laughs> my girlfriend's playing cat? with a lightsaber and that's not, that's ah. not, it's my actual lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> put down my lightsaber. No, mine. Put, okay. Put down what? your lightsaber. What does it run on? Was, uh, it's actually just runs on batteries. <laughs> I thought it ran on the force. Yeah. It's not like chromium it. crystals or something. It runs on uh, money, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't know if you know this, Todd, but I uh, I went down to Florida over uh, well just after Christmas, and I got mm-hmm. to go to the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, I saw the I saw the pictures. You were uh, you were standing right in front of the uh, in front of the ship. That was quite the, the uh, yeah. That was quite the uh, quite the trip yeah. you had. Oh yeah, no, that was that was crazy. I mean, for you music nuts, uh, we went we stopped at Graceland because we were on oh. the way. So so we you got drove there. Actually, yeah, we drove down. Oh to Florida, shit, yeah. man, that's awesome. Yeah. Like went inside. Hours. Yep, yep. Went to Graceland. Did the tour. <laughs> Did the tour. Got the T-shirt. Well, I got a hat, but my friend got a T-shirt. <laughs> and we saw really? his uh, cool. private was plane. This, it was pretty cool. Was this like a comedy part? Comedy trip? Uh no. My uh, well, my comedy buddy Nelson. Yeah. Uh, the guy who I do all the comedy shows with. Uh, he was taking his kids to uh, Disney World for like Christmas, basically. It was their big family Christmas, you know, thing, right? Yeah. And uh, his 18-year-old son, um, for lack of a better term, just got a girlfriend and didn't want to go on a trip because there was plenty of rides at home, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, you can't fault the guy, but no. So, uh, my buddy Nelson was like a couple days before he left. He's like, Hey, do you want to go to Disney world? And I'm like, uh, sure. So we drove <laughs> down and, and, uh, we went to, uh, we went through Memphis. We actually went to the, uh, the crossroads, the, the crossroads, crossroads, the crossroads down there. The, actual uh, crossroads? The, guy, uh, the guy sold his soul. So did you sell your soul? I tried to. I, I, I went in with a local offer, too. I was like, <laughs> oh, man, just... But no one showed up, so I'm like, did I already sell it? I can't remember. <laughs> well, you and, Cl- uh, you and Corey were trying to buy souls. Yeah. Maybe that kind of null, null and voided you. Yeah, probably. But uh, So then after we went uh, to Memphis, the crossroads... We went uh, down to New Orleans. Oh, man. So, we walked through the French Quarter. That was crazy. So, and then we went to Disney World, and I died from all the walking. And so, <laughs> no kidding. Oh, I bet. How many miles is that? How many miles think, of walking do you do a day? Um, I think the first day... Because uh, Nelson has like one of those step, you know, pedometers. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the pedometer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Comes with a white van. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think he said the first day we did something like 13 kilometers, like just getting in the park, like the main park. So. After that, I'm like, please don't tell me anymore because my feet are already crying. Because <laughs> yeah. it was, yeah, it was so much walking and standing. It was, How were your knees me. after all that, man? Holy shit. Uh, literally shot to hell. Literally shot to hell. But I mean, once in a lifetime kind of thing. So yeah, for sure. I'll worry about it later. So. We were going to go to Disneyland, but then we had kids. <laughs> yeah. So how, how are those kids? <laughs> great. Not as great as Mickey Mouse, but they're all right. <laughs> it must be really Did, fun. A, like, Keep going. I was going to say, they don't have a Disneyland in Portugal, do they? Uh, no. No, but no. <laughs> that would be the greatest ever by the way <laughs> portuguese mickey, portuguese mickey mouse mickey. <laughs> that'd be awesome i want to see that so bad Corey, next strip portuguese next strip. Mickey mouse. there you go <laughs> this is how it happens this is just our stupid ramblings get turned into a funny strip that's right that's right uh todd's gonna be making his debut soon in the strip yeah eagerly awaiting that Finally, get oh, on the strip, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. <laughs> we have such a lack of those in the strip right now. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's, content's coming out, man. So, uh, I, I don't know. I'm pretty pumped. That's cool. And we have a Patreon and stuff now? Yep. I mean, you guys do, because apparently I'm an afterthought when it comes to the strip now. <laughs> well, it's funny. You're in it all the time. <laughs> I know. That's... 
I saw new strips that I'm in that I'm like, oh crap, I didn't know I was in. <laughs> like the one where it was uh, lightsaber dueling in Toys R Us. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is this? But yeah. So. It probably I'm happened. I'm very though. excited to, yeah, like my my likeness is being used, so I'm very excited. Yeah. I I'm, I'm just, I'm I'm just a raging, uh, rageaholic guy <laughs> in the strip now. It's like, oh, okay, cool. You're the serious guy that needs to reel us in. That's yeah. That's always been your role, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He's always oh pissed. man, yeah. So this is our uh, this is a non-keycon weekend. Which yes, is weird. first one. Wow, the first non-keycon. Uh, although I think tomorrow they're supposed to be having some live events or something. Probably. Yeah, I. It's sort of like bling in my head that <laughs> I was like, oh, that's why we're doing this this four way call thing. Well, three-way. actually, it wasn't. That wasn't why. I totally lost track of. <laughs> like it's a. Why, yeah. No, it's a good. It's a good reason. Uh, so the reason I, well, I want I wanted a really good topic to bring you on the show because I just I mean it's fun to bring you on and I do want to bring you on again and we'll bring you on again because this is yeah. actually easy but I've been actually swamped yeah with work like really really badly swamped like it's I I've never been this busy which is crazy and because I'm working from home it's easy for me to work longer hours because I'm not commuting and all this stuff. So I actually haven't had a lot of time, but I actually was like, oh, I could do probably two or three of these Skypes a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm doing a Skype, what, every two weeks, three weeks <laughs> instead. So not good, but whatever. I'm getting paid, and that's awesome. You got to take time for you, Sean. I do. So we'll, we're definitely going to do this again. But I just finished reading that Houdini book. Okay. And my mind was like, my mind was fucking blown. I I thought I knew I thought I knew who the guy was, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's such a huge icon of entertainment that everybody knows who Houdini is, and Houdini's even in the dictionary as a, a verb or a noun. That, but I don't think everybody really knew the whole story, and I definitely didn't. So I wanted to get your opinion on the guy in general like what's your general opinion of the dude uh well early on houdini was one of my idols as far as just sheer showmanship because he was the guy who created it really like he was the one who was larger than life legitimately because he was a very tiny tiny man but yes not a lot of people knew that you know i didn't know that that was his whole mystique is that you know he was such a large personality that it overshadowed any sort of physicality, any sort of, you know, the the guy didn't really talk a lot. And yet, uh, you know, he, he's one of the greatest showmen ever known. So, I mean, just goes to show what that sort of, I want to say, vaudevillian spirit can do, especially back then. Yeah, no kidding. Do you think... Do you think a lot of like the wrestling of now nowadays, the presentation, like the entertainment aspect of it, I, I think a lot of that draws from him. To be honest, 
like just oh, yeah. the whole nature of the, the build up and, and, and everything. It's very wrestling. I think that maybe that's why I was drawn to the guy. Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of the uh, like wrestling and stuff like that comes from uh, vaudeville to begin with, because back then, um, because there wasn't sort of the globalization of entertainment, you knew sort of the the story, the you know the images, the you know the posters and and what other people said about a performer before you maybe even ever got to see them actually perform. You knew mm-hmm. the mystique. Yes. <laughs> you knew the legend, right? So if you saw a poster with a magician on it and, you know, he's surrounded by demons and spirits and things lifting off the stage, you know, uh, for all you know, he did that on stage. And that was part of the amazing thing about entertainers back then. And I think a lot of modern day sort of showmanship comes from that. I mean, that's why everybody has to have a gimmick or a look you know, to separate themselves out because they want you to be able to just sort of key into, you know, a silhouette or, you know, a a logo or something like that that you can just sort of see on a billboard. And, and like, the secondary name, like the, uh, you know, he was the, uh, the master of handcuffs or, you know, he always had a title. And I think the wrestlers have titles nowadays and, and the, the best performers, they're not just Harry Houdini, they're Harry Houdini, master of handcuffs. Whoa, yeah. you know, all this. Big... Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or the great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, or fast fret fingers, the worst name of all time. <laughs> I mean, it's accurate, but try saying it, Five times fast. Yeah, exactly. It's like, so we have on the show tonight. <laughs> so, uh, Todd, what's your opinion of uh, Mr. Houdini? Like, what, what's your, what do you know? Well, to me, Houdini, when I first heard of him, um, I'm not sure if he was, was he in the book of world records or something at, at one point for doing something or? Probably. Or am I totally off? He was. Um, I, I read his name. What's that? I think so. I'm pretty sure. Like it, yeah. maybe for drawing power or fastest escape from a straight jacket, maybe things like that. Yeah, it could have yeah. been something like that. So, so yeah. So I, I, I mean, back in that time, there was no internet, so it wasn't like I could just kind of do a search. Um, and Houdini was just kind of spoken within the, you know, the groups and whatnot. And I think I, I seen a couple of things that he had done, some escapes uh, on TV. And then of course, um, when he had died and what had happened, that that's about the only thing I really know about Houdini. I don't know his background, where he's from, where he started. I don't have all that history. So what about, okay. So the death there, there's a lot of it's one of the the strangest stories and a lot of people get it wrong. What does everybody think he died, how he died? I mean, I read the book, I know, but I'm just curious what you both know. Well, I had, I had heard he had, he he did the, uh, I think it's the the water, uh, whatnot upside down in, in the tank. And I, I guess he didn't get out in time or, 
or was that a different guy I'm thinking of? Maybe it was in, was it in the water? They did it, in, not in the ocean, but they did it somewhere else um, where they gave them some time. But then the time kind of ran out and everyone kind of freaked out. And then they went, by the time they got them up, it was done. Clay? I don't know if um, that's even close. <laughs> I'll let Clay answer now and I'll provide the, uh, the answer. Let's see if Clay has got it. Um, well, uh, the official sort of theatrical story is that he died from a punch. Um, <laughs> it's very, it's, uh, Hawaiian punch. <laughs> yeah. Um, Houdini, uh, was known as a lot of things, obviously King of Cards, Master of Handcuffs. Um, but way before the Chris Angels and David Blaine's and their demonstrational magic where, you know, they just stand for a really long time or something like that. Houdini actually did endurance type of demonstrations during his act. Um, one of which was he would challenge any person in the crowd uh, to come up and punch him in the gut to try and knock him down. So he would get, you know, these giant men, you know, railway workers and, you know, football players and all that kind of, you know, young Mike guys. Tyson shows up. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, block. He was, and he was well known for standing on stage and taking blow after blow from, uh, you know, these much larger gentlemen and not being knocked back. And it was just a pure, pure show of physical sort of mind over matter kind of thing. Um, but so that was a sort of well-known part of his stage show for a while. Um, unfortunately, uh, he developed appendicitis um, and didn't know what that was, um, but kept touring, kept doing shows. And uh, it, but he was sort of talked out of doing that part of his show because he wasn't at 100 percent. And so after the show, he was uh, sort of greeted backstage by a couple of young guys who he assumed just wanted an autograph or just to talk to him, that kind of thing. And before he knew it, one of them just sort of sucker punched him. And to Houdini's credit, uh, the legend goes that he still didn't fall down from it. But of course, uh, he was suffering from appendicitis and that was sort of the death blow as it were um the appendix ruptured and he died shortly after that wow you do know your stuff okay i thought i originally i thought he had died under the ice he tried to escape under the water and then you know there was some ice and then he kind of went down the river a bit and then tried to come up and couldn't get up because it was ice i and i remember seeing that in a film too and mm -hmm. I, th I always thought that's what it was. So I did, yes, in the book, they do talk about the blow. Um, but they added a bit more. I, I should lend it to you. This, this biography on him is, is phenomenal. But they actually mm -hmm. break down everything leading up to that event. Mm -hmm. um, and this was in Montreal, which is very interesting. Yeah. And the, um, the spiritualists apparently put a hex on him. Yeah. Um, but whether the hex is true or not, there was, uh, there was 
a bounty on his head of sorts. People mm-hmm. were trying because he was discrediting spiritualists at that point yeah. in his career and they wanted him dead and they pretty much gave it a year. But sounds like there was probable probably attempts that were made. Mm-hmm. But the, so the story, the, the, the version they offer in the book is that he wasn't he was under the weather. He wasn't feeling good. Mm-hmm. And this guy went backstage Said he's a huge fan. He's a huge fan, and he he asked him over and over to do the uh, "I punch you in the gut" trick. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, "You can punch me in the arms. You can punch me anywhere else, but not in the gut because he wasn't feeling good." Yeah. And the guy just persisted and persisted and persisted, and he punched Houdini while he was lying down, and he wasn't prepped or yeah. primed or, you know. It wasn't ready for the hit, and the guy hit him three times, and this guy was like boxer caliber, okay. and uh, that's what. So they they, they weren't clear clear on like maybe he had uh, an ailment inside beforehand, or maybe he didn't, or maybe the blow is what caused the rupture, or or whatever, but. Regardless, the blow exacerbated something that may or may not have been there, but it was the blow that took him out. But um, but he had the appendicitis for days apparently before yeah. he actually did anything about it. Yeah, his his whole like everyone that traveled with him, everyone that you know did everything for his shows, everyone wanted him to stop performing because he was not and go well. and go to the doctor and yeah. he refused. And and he was like, people pay money to see me. That's what I do kind of thing. And so he was going to fight through it and do his shows, which, you know, he still did all the escapes and stuff like that. But because of his failing health at the time, he, you know, wisely was talked out of doing the, you know, demonstration of getting hit every night. And, uh, yeah, it was... um, Basically, the reason why there's so much sort of confusion around his death is because, again, it's one of the most wonderful things about the man is that I'm sure he gave people instructions to spread false uh, stories. Mm, yes. That. I would absolutely believe that he told his crew and, you know, the people he worked with to, you know, go out and say, I, you know, drown in a lake or I, you know. You know, you know, stuff like that, just because it's more theatrical. It's more, you know, he didn't want people knowing that he died because of a punch. Like, that's human, you know. And he was not human. Exactly. His whole his whole shtick was, you know, as an immigrant, you know, in the U.S. at the time, uh, you know, because they were so looked down upon, he was the hero of 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 thousands you know he, he had that superman quality the the whole clark kent uh the outsider um you know like the jewish immigrant or whatever like you know yeah. the person that kind of everybody did the, the everyman right yeah and uh and, and especially because of his small stature you know and uh yeah we just he was you know he just he rose above and a lot of people was like i could rise above you know, I, I can be better. I can be stronger. I can be this. I can do whatever I want. And at that time, there was a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment. I mean, huge. Not much has changed. Right. No. 
Yeah. But, I mean, especially back then, you know, America was for Americans, quote unquote, which is really funny as an Aboriginal person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Go back to your country. Uh, You first. (laughs) (laughs) You first, yeah. Um, But, yeah, so at the time, immigrants faced such oppression and such, you know, they were looked down upon. And here is this, you know, tiny Hungarian-born entertainer uh, who's not only uh, overcoming physical limitations, he's overcoming, you know, uh, legal limitations with handcuffs and being locked in, you know, uh, state prisons and escaping and, you know, being hung upside down with a... With uh, they, they were just, you know. Sorry, you Sorry. stalled there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. it just kind of froze. You, you might have been crying while you were. It was this great impassioned speech, and it all got cut off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean that's that was the thing. It's it's his whole uh shtick was that he overcame. Yes. You know, and that by force why, of will. Yeah. You know, is that this diminutive little immigrant was outdoing the American justice system and outdoing, you know, the American entertainment system. You know, he came in and he dominated. And yeah. that's that's why he was so beloved, because people knew, you know, Houdini was one of them. Houdini was an immigrant, you know, the, the son of an immigrant, you know. And he made it. And he made it. I mean, he was the biggest name back then it was the biggest entertainer mm-hmm. like, i don't there, when he before him there was no one that had his stature in in any way shape or form and he, he was probably I think he was the highest paid at the time mm-hmm. uh, like grossly like highest paid it was ridiculous oh. yeah but he also had so the so the interesting things i didn't know which you brought up earlier was how he had uh, a whole cadre of, of people that worked for him that helped spread the the mystique and the mysticism and uh you know if a if a false if a false story came out you know they fanned the flames of it like mm-hmm. well he's originally like oh he's a spiritualist he's talking to the spirits and that's how he's doing what he's doing it was just trickery right it's just yeah you know, and that's all it was, but they're like, there's no way this is trickery. There's no way we could be fooled like this. He's obviously mm-hmm. using supernatural powers to, to do what he does. Um, and, you know, there's like, well, he doesn't have it. Like they strip, they strip him down to his underwear and like looking for keys, hidden keys, secret keys. And they, they couldn't find anything, but he's got it, you know, he's got it in his hair or up his ass or, you know, in his mouth. Like he always had a key. That's the thing. Like it was all it, it, the interesting thing was he perpetrated who he was and he found ways to push himself even further. Like I can get out of any American lock and can get out of any German lock. Now I can get out of a milk crate. Now I yeah. can get out from hanging. You know, it was always more elaborate, but 
the oh, bigger yeah. the stunts got, the bigger his crew got, and the more research he did to trick the audience that he was actually escaping, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why back when, you know, these magicians were sort of advertising themselves, they would put images of demons and ghosts and stuff on their posters because they couldn't just come out and say, I'm lying to you. All of this is tricks. Yes. Um, because no one would believe it. Um, because of the things that they were able to pull off. I mean, it's it's like now. Uh, I can do a card trick in front of you and say, this is just a trick. I just learned how to do this. Yes. And yet it will still blow your mind and make you think, wait, how the hell did he do that? I was right here. So do you think back then, though, the way magic was, that is if you, you couldn't, it's like wrestling. Everybody who's wrestling is fake. And, you know, the, mm -hmm. the curtain got you know, pulled back. But back then, do you, was that the, the state of affairs? Did, did people know it was a trick? Or did just people say, you know, this is magic. And magic is magic. It's not, it's not trickery. It's magic. Like, you're actually using the dark arts to, like, what, what do you think the perception was of the public back then? Back then, the perception was that people who perform magic on stage had powers. Okay. They, uh, um, even though the performers themselves would go on record and say, I have no powers, I'm not a wizard, I'm not a sorcerer, you know, uh, what they did on stage was just too amazing. Yes. You know, and it was so hard for people to understand i mean it's like if you watch modern illusionist now you know you know it's a trick you know yep. it's an illusion yeah but sit there and and in the moment try to like figure out how they did it you know yeah yeah it, it's so um mind-blowing that a lot of people just had to chalk it up to, well, they must have powers or they must be, you know, in league with Satan or, you know. I get, so the, the denouncement of the trick, like, no, this is a trick. I guess that was probably to save them because back then, if you were doing <laughs> any sort of witchery or, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. witchcraft, like burned you'd get burned stake. at the stake just about like. So I guess it must have been a tough career to have back in those days. That very fine line that you 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 know ran upon because at the same time you wanted people to truly believe that you had that power because it just made everything about your show that much more amazing yes but you couldn't straight up say i have magic powers because you would be committed <laughs> you know? yes oh well, yeah of course um, what was interesting when Al, uh, you're, are you familiar with Alistair Crowley? Mm -hmm. yeah. So when he was doing his stuff, he was a, an, a, a Satanist and all that sort of stuff. Cause I was, I was just watching a whole thing on him. And, uh, when he used the word magic, he added a K at the end cause he didn't want to be misconstrued with the fakers out there that did yeah. stage magic. Yeah. No, I do real magic. They do stage magic. It's not the same thing sorry just a little neat aside yeah. um so 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 here's so this was the, for me in the book the turning point was all along he's like 
he's saying, though, I'm actually escaping from these handcuffs. I do not use keys. Um, And every attempt with the audience is for them to disprove what he's doing, that he's not using keys. He's merely escaping because he knows how to escape. He's rigging the tricks, um, which, you know, that's, it's it's all about the performance. But back then, people didn't want to know that he's tricking them. Yeah. So he played up the whole illusion that, no, I just have this almost supernatural ability to get out of cuffs, straitjackets, whatever. And he played that up to the point that people tried to discredit him over and over saying, no, there's no way you're obviously tricking us. And people would try to prove his trickery and all these other magicians would come in. And if anyone was using his trick, he would try to discredit them. Um, You know, uh, he'd go to the press and he'd issue monetary challenges and things like that. And he'd Mm -hmm. basically, it's, he's almost like a good, again, the wrestling analogy he was almost like the um, the Rock. Um, I, I don't care what your name is, you know. He, yeah. he was always going after them that way, and he was just trying. His whole half of his shtick was his magic, and the other half was discrediting those doing magic around him to uh, expound on his legend. And I had a little bit of a hard time with that because you know I thought this guy was cool, but then he's preventing other people from making a living. He just doesn't want anyone else doing his tricks, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then it switched to he really wanted to believe in spirituality because he wanted, you know, after, especially when his mom died, uh, mm-hmm. he wanted to be able to talk to her in the in the in the after in the afterlife. He wanted yeah. to speak to her ghost, and he believed in it so hard. Uh, and he formed a friendship with uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Mm-hmm. which is the guy that wrote uh, all the Sherlock Holmes books. Mm-hmm. And he was, Doyle was a renowned spiritualist. He believed in it uh, to a fault. Mm-hmm. And the friendship between him and Houdini went incredibly sour. And the way the book portrays it, maybe it's a little bit different, but in the book, Houdini really, he was started discrediting spiritualists. Yeah. Because, you know, they're not all fake, but I haven't found one who's not yet. And he just yeah. went on this whole, that ended up being his career. I'm going to go after these fakers, mm-hmm. these tricksters, these people just, you know, doing tricks. Well, and that, that actually relates to the handcuff thing. I just wanted to ask Todd. Todd, do you, do you have an idea <laughs> as to why Houdini didn't want other people... Uh, doing his hand lock, like handcuff escapes and stuff like that. Uh, no idea. It's test time, Todd. Come on now. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Um, why? Why he didn't want other people doing? Yeah, like, why do you, other magicians, Like, his, why do you think? Because you all, you have great opinions on things, Todd. Especially like coming in, not knowing everything, but you always have a way of figuring out like the the, the kernel of truth in there. So why do you think? Butter him up more. We need this. Yes. Well, I mean, I can, I could tell you how I think he does the trick. Um, but as to why he wouldn't want anyone else doing the trick, I mean, it, all he's doing is taking is taking money out of his his act. 
because I mean, if, if they see it somewhere else, they can see it. And then when he comes to town and be like, well, I don't need to see that because I've already seen it. So this other person's done it already. Was yeah. he trying to corner, corner the market in, in, did he make his own handcuffs? Did he have his own brand that he made or uh, did he yeah. regurgitate the key and then unlock it or he how did he made the... a lot of the handcuffs he escaped from, by the yes, way. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did actually. And special ones made. Yeah. Um, but the whole reason it goes right back to the whole immigrant status thing. Um, back in that time, uh, the police were especially violent to immigrants. And so Houdini, as sort of the immigrant Superman, was showing uh, that the police had no hold on him. Right. So when he would escape from their handcuffs or their straitjackets or even their jails, he was showing other immigrants that they don't have to be terrified that if they're incarcerated it's not the end which a lot of them thought that was it like if they got picked up by the cops they were never going to be seen again because that happened a lot back then um so he sort of again this was all sort of uh part of him selling himself was to be sort of the mouthpiece for the you know, voiceless. Um, so he would do these tricks, yes, as entertainment, and, you know, it got him, you know, fame and fortune, but it was also a very subtle political message for all the immigrants that loved him and followed him, is that, you know, you don't have to be scared of these restraints. You don't have to be scared of incarceration, you know, that they can't hold us all you know so right so when he see yes it made him a bad guy in the fact that he didn't want other people doing the trick not so much because he was going to lose money or anything like that he didn't want people thinking that it was just a trick see he was giving hope to people and if 20 other people came along and did the exact same handcuff escape, that hope that he had created in, you know, his immigrant fans would suddenly vanish. And, oh, it's just a thing that he did. You know, meanwhile, that meant something to a lot of people back then. So. Wow, that's good context. I never thought of it in that way. Yeah. That's cool. Definitely. Well, it devalues the trick, too. Well, exactly. I mean, it, especially it's it's like if your uh, childhood icon could do something, you know what I mean? Like if if uh, like Hulk Hogan, you know, yep. ripping shirt every time, you know, uh, you know how many times as a kid I tried to rip my shirt and just couldn't do it. <laughs> you did. <ditto. laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I'd see him come on Saturday morning and be like, yeah. Dang it! You know, good. I'm getting my, Mom, getting my cowboy scissors. shirt with the snap button. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> More vitamins and what's a prayer? Uh, <laughs> Starts with holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So, but he could do those things, and and the people that 
you know, he wasn't just an entertainer to, uh, that was a big deal. So when he saw, you know, a, bu- uh, a bunch of, you know, corner street magicians doing the same trick and sort of devaluing it and just sort of showing it as, a, yeah, it's just a gimmick. And, you know, it was, it was very, yeah, it, it kills the whole mystique, right? And it, it goes against what he was trying to do. It's the same with uh, spiritualism and his whole quest against that. You know, not running South Korea. Apparently, uh, they don't. He doesn't poop. <laughs> well, yeah. But as soon as that happens, but that's humanizes. true, though. That, that's a good analogy, Todd. That's actually very true. Yeah. Like they think he's, you know, touched by God or or whatever it is, right? And the minute that he becomes human, or the minute that Hulk Hogan is not the hero, um, I, I guess it does. It does. It's the same thing in wrestling as when you have a finishing move. And your finishing move is supposed to be devastating. And it's supposed to be, you know, that's the move you win the match by and kill your opponent. And then some jabroni who's 110 pounds soaking wet does the same finishing move. It takes out a big guy. It devalues the move. Yeah. Completely. Like everybody does the super kick now. Yeah. Like, the it, leg it, drop. I mean, the leg drop was Hogan's yes. finishing for years. Yeah. As soon as he did that, match was over. Didn't yeah, matter exactly. what. Yeah, exactly. But now it's like that move's done almost in the beginning of every match. Like it's it's nothing now. But in a match like like I I always I don't know why I always like the super kick. But to to me the the super kick's never done at the beginning of a match. It was done at the end of the match, and it was there was a build up to it. It was the moment of you know I. I there was a sense of desperation and there was the way the Shawn Michaels told the match that mm-hmm. when he did it, it meant something. It was a big buildup and it was him overcoming the guy that's, you know, double his size or, or whatever it is. And it's and the same thing with Houdini when he was, he wasn't escaping from the handcuffs and handcuffs in 30 seconds. You saw him struggling and, and, you know, not gyrating, but it's like he's fighting and he's perspiring and, it looks yeah. like oh, he's going to get defeated. Yeah. But like you're saying that the immigrant guy, like he's being beaten down by authority and they're taking him away and it's the end and there's nothing that can happen. And then at the last second he gets, he gets out. Like I was reading, he would, um, he'd be on stage for 45 minutes doing an escape and it was behind a curtain. Mm-hmm. But in reality, he escaped in the first two minutes, grabbed the newspaper, read it, and then just before he's about to, uh, you know, throw the curtain back, he grabs some water, throws it on himself to look like he, he perspired, ripped his, rips his shirt a little bit, and then comes out. And it looks like he's been struggling for 45 straight minutes, and mm-hmm. he's exhausted. Yeah, That's much more dramatic than some dude breaking out of handcuffs in two minutes, because well, yeah. I can do it. There's no, uh, there's no drama, there's no flair, there's no... There's no lead up to anything. Yeah. Just like here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can do this cool thing and it's done now. So Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like starting with uh rock and roll and that is the first song of of the night. Like you don't do that. Like you get <laughs> you gotta build up to it. You can't just play it. Yeah. Do six tricks in twenty minutes or do six tricks and do it all night long. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> is that a sex analogy, Todd? <laughs> 
I don't think so. <laughs> but you can take it whichever way you want. So, okay, I'm really glad we had Clay to talk about Houdini because there are certain things. The book was so... Um, they talked about the facts, but they didn't give a perspective on why he did the things. They just said what he did. Yeah. So his whole attack on spiritualism, the problem that I, the problem that I had with it was mm-hmm. that, okay, you've been doing tricks your whole career and your mm-hmm. whole thing is doing tricks. Now someone else is doing tricks and mm-hmm. they're making people believe something just like yeah. he was doing but they're just doing it. it. It's a different avenue, but it's kind of the same thing. And he felt that they should be real if they're going to do that, unlike himself. So I always I thought it was a weird dichotomy that look, I can fake what I'm doing and, and trick the audience, but you can't. Yeah. But these people were preying on people. That's the difference. Is that, is that do you think that's, that's- what that is? That's exactly what it was. Um, when Houdini, like you said, when Houdini got really into spiritualism and that, it was when he was at his lowest point. He had lost his mother. Yeah. Uh, and and the dude loved his mom. Like, it was yeah, absolutely. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at the time... All he wanted more than anything was to reconnect, was to be able to have one more conversation, one more, even if it was just knowing that she was there for real, you know. Right. Um, And that's what set him off on his path, was the fact that when he was on stage, he was, yes, giving hope to people. But it was a hope that was genuine, despite his tricks. You know, he was giving them a hope of saying, hey, I'm a small dude. I know we're all harassed by policemen. I eventually got out of these handcuffs. You know, metaphorically, so can you. Yeah. There's nothing harmful in that message. What he found harmful was... You've lost someone who's incredibly important to you and someone who you deeply love. And I'm going to come along and say, well, if you pay me money, I can put you in touch with them. You can talk to them again. You can have conversations. You can, you know, just like the old days. And that's where he got angry. That's where he got angry. See, they didn't really break that down in the book. And I'm like, well, you just yeah. got so, like the, the and I mean, he was he was he was ruthless when it came to what he believed in and getting his tricks, you know, you know, finding better tricks and, and better things to escape from and all that. And he, he was he was ruthless as a businessman and an entertainer in protecting his stuff. And he was equally equally ruthless when he went after the spiritualists. The, the 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 saddest part of the book to me is this great friendship he had with Conan Doyle and he actually used him because he would try to get into spiritualists to disprove what they were doing and they didn't want him there no because i'm faking and if you try to 
you know, at, at first they're like, yeah, okay, I, I'm the best trickster at being a medium there is. And there's no way you can prove me wrong. And then he was proving all these spiritualists wrong that had the best, they were magicians, honestly. Like yeah. some of them were that good. They were, you know, they were magicians. So, well, well Houdini himself did spiritualism. Yeah, he in did. His, in, in, in his act. In his early but, act, yeah. But his spiritualism was stage spiritualism and it was, I'm going to invoke the spirits to help me with this. I'm going to, yes. you know, I'm going to ask a spirit to ring a bell or I'm going to ask a spirit to, you know, move this object or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It was never, I'm going to do something with your dead relative because they're here. Trust me. Give me more money. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause, and because that was the spiritualist game back then. It wasn't. Cool. And it and was huge. It was a racket, too. It wasn't just a couple of guys, you know, uh, on a street corner. It was actually an organized scam. Because yeah, it was before the 1-900 numbers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's... It, Call a psychic. It was the early version of it, honestly. But they had it, it really, network. Yeah. No, it, it really is. I mean, it was because people didn't realize uh, things like cold reading or just you know, leading questions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, when you talk to someone who was a spiritualist and they got something kind of right, your mind was blown. They yeah. must be talking to my grandma or they must yeah. be talking to my mom or they must be talking to my dead pet foo-foo. You know, it's yeah. like... Mm-hmm. Um, and back then, I mean, there was very much a... Uh, a higher mortality rate so there was a lot more business for them unfortunately sure, there was yeah. there was you know there was a lot of families being broken up constantly and i mean i've got loved ones that i'd love to talk to again i'm sure yep. you guys do absolutely you know what i mean and if someone came along today who could offer you proof positive that they are talking to your loved one on the other side, you know, and it was completely believable and you had no idea how they were doing it, but everything they were saying was correct. And everything they were talking about was, you know, only they could know only, only your loved one on the other side could know, you know, you'd give them all the money in the world. And that was the problem. And that's what he hated more than anything. Yeah. And people were doing that. They were giving everything. You know, and people like uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who, you know, had money and, and, and didn't do too badly, just sort of fed this industry even more yeah. because, you know, his uh, sort of unbroken beliefs uh, just funded these guys to do more and more shady things and you know have these fake seances and it's really sad because he like conan doyle funded a lot of that stuff like Mm -hmm. he believed in it so much yeah and it was so important to him that he was easy to scam and i i think houdini's intentions were look let's i'm going to disprove this to you because you're being led uh you know that these people are are legit and they're not and i think he was trying to help them but he ended up using him because he was so revered by the spiritualist who yeah. wasn't 
like Doyle was that he could actually secretly get Houdini in on on Doyle's word. He could get him into a seance so he could disprove it. So I don't know. It, it it's really sad. It, it's like it's like this love story between these two guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, loved each other as friends, and then you know it fell apart because they just couldn't agree. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's like uh, not to get all sappy here on you, but I mean if if I saw you spending you know every single extra dollar you had, and then maybe not some extra dollars if you know what I mean, yeah, uh, on on spiritualists to get in touch with you know whomever and. I see that, and as your friend, I'm going, like, dude, I can do that exact same thing, and probably better, because, you know, yeah, <laughs> they don't call me the great for nothing, but, you know, but, uh, but you know what I mean, it, it, to, to Houdini, it was not only professionally bad, because these people were coming along and saying that they were doing a real thing, and charging money for it, but also the fact that he saw not only his his good friend being swindled time after time. And, and just, by his own wife, too. You know. Because Doyle's and, wife was a spiritualist and she, she was fleecing her husband, too. Yeah, because it was, I mean, the whole, like, especially if you know the person and you know, like, what they want to hear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. It's it's a it's a bit more impressive when it's you know a stranger in that, but to do it to someone that you know and someone that you know you know exactly who they want to contact and who they it's a cakewalk, you know. And so, I mean, I think the 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 greatest stories from Houdini's sort of vengeance of spiritualism was. that not only that he saw that, you know, his his good friend was being fleeced uh, by people like this, but when he was hurting and when he was in pain and he went to see a spiritualist to try and contact his mother and his mother came through, um, you know, saying, oh, Houdini, oh, I love you so much, Harry, Harry, oh, I love you. Uh, meanwhile, she never spoke a word of English. Yes, exactly. And, yeah, that was the big. That was the big moment. And she never uh, called him Mary. <laughs> and yeah, she she oh, called him Eric. Name for that. She called him Martha. Martha. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you up? So it was it, that when he realized that you know. He even sort of put his brain on pause, knowing that this is very unlikely, but he was going to give it a shot because he wanted nothing more than it to be true. Yeah. And and it was so devastating for him that he just it lit a fire under him like. This can't happen to other people, especially the amount of money that these spiritualists are charging. You know, when I do the same thing on stage for a cheap theater ticket, you know, yeah, and I can show people this exact same effect. I can make things levitate. I can make things, you know, knocks from the other side and, right. you know, so yeah, that was, 
that was a big part of it was just the the whole uh fact that he wanted to believe i think more than anybody uh i think to his dying day he would have given his entire wealth to someone who could come along and legitimately prove that they you know could do that and reconnect him with his mom so yeah his whole actually to that point that he would have spent anything he, he did because he was spending all his money to uh, on his network of spies and everything else to discredit these spiritualists but if he had found someone you know it would have all been worth because he was spending all his money on that like just i gotta oh yeah no houdini what i think what is sort of not really talked about is that Houdini was perfectly willing to be like, if he found a spiritualist, he would have put down his own stuff and just been the publicist, the world's greatest publicist for this spiritualist. If he had found one that was legitimately. Oh yeah. Yeah. He would have for sure. For sure. Okay. So, uh, we're, 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 we've been doing this for a while, so and I know Todd has to go to bed, so do I. So I, what's the last, if there was a Houdini movie out there, because there's, there, there's tons, is there one you would recommend as a, the best one to see? Or in who portrayed him? Um, I can't think of any. I, I've seen a bunch as a kid, but I can't. I'm trying to think of one of the original Houdini movie. Like, I, I saw a bunch that he was actually in. I watched yeah. a bunch of those. They're kind of cool. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think one of the original movies that was done about him. And it was it was really good. But uh, but the the great thing about Houdini is I don't think anyone's ever going to do, like, the ultimate Houdini movie. Because there's so much information out there, and so much of it is is bull, you know. <laughs> so much oh, of it is that's fake, true, you know. But and but that was all by Houdini design. Do you uh, think they can they can make a good one though? I think I, it would be quite the epic movie if if they did. Like it, it'd have to be a Scorsese three hour movie. Something like that. Sort yeah. of deal, I, I think, or um, or a two part movie, like like the Johnny Cash film. Like you did one. Walk the line was like one movie, and it was like just under two hours or whatever it was. Like you didn't even scratch the surface of it. I think Houdini would be even more so. Like yeah. it's because he had multiple careers within within itself. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just you know one thing he, he did lots like but like this guy todd you gotta see this guy this guy's like i never realized but this guy was like jacked like mm-hmm. he was super jacked but he wor- yeah he worked on his on because the idea is and clay you can probably back me up on this but in, in a lot of these escape tricks the idea is you flex your muscles all the way so that when they're tying you up, there's going to be slack once you release your, your muscles. So you flex yourself up and you puff yourself up. So when they're tying you, they can't tie you tight enough. 
So the minute that they're done, you unflex and then it gives you, you know, that little bit of leeway you need to get out, especially in a straight jacket situation. Is that yeah. how, is that accurate, Clay? It's, it's very accurate. It's, uh, it's one of the, uh, I'd say one of the, uh, main ways that a lot of escapes were done back in the day. Um, it's one of the first ways I learned escapes, um, was just, you know, uh, the amount of slack in a rope or the amount of stretch in a rope can make or break tricks sometimes. Um, and Houdini was a master of everything he did, which included his own body. It was, um, I forget what kind of percentage of body fat, but like he was. Oh, it had to be really low. A, yeah. a, a, what what modern day bodybuilders like aspire to. Yeah. Right? You know, and and he wasn't out there doing weights or anything like that. It was just constant training, constant vigilance, constant being ready to be on stage. But the other thing he said too, it also prevented injuries because if you're you're muscled up and you've got lots of muscle. There's, there's times where you could be injured again. The same thing applies to like a wrestler. I don't know why we keep going there, but it's interesting, but, uh, a jacked up wrestler, like it, when Brock Lesnar did a, uh, was it a sunset flip? Yeah. Um, and landed on his neck. Mm-hmm. It's his, it's his thick muscles that actually saved his life. Yeah. If he had been a guy that was a hundred pounds less, he probably just would have snapped his neck and died right right then and there but he it was the same principle with him like if he was jacked up and he had all the muscle if something went wrong his body was strong enough to save him so Mm -hmm. you know it was essential and i think it it saved him lots of times and there was times he worked through injuries uh he had a broken foot i think at one point and he was still doing tricks or broken wrist you know maybe a broken rib here and there and, and things like that just from doing these stunts like you know, it, his his musculature was super important, but it also added to that whole Superman mystique that he had, that he was a superhero. He wasn't some schlubby, you know, average guy. You know, he made himself into a Superman, literally. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just conjecture. It was like, he looks like it, too. Right. The ladies liked him. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, I know best I thought for him. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll cap it off there. If, yeah, uh, I mean, I could, I could go on for hours, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good one for this one. So I knew you were the right one to talk about Houdini. So that was good. That was actually really good. Um, I didn't even get to go into his namesake or anything like that. Oh, the, the whole Houdin, Robert Houdin? Robert Houdin, yeah. Oh, God. There's a whole thing there. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole episode on its own for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we'll cap it off there. Clay, plug yourself. Where can we find you? Uh, funny CT Stewart on basically anything. So it's universal? Universal name everywhere? Universal, yeah, yeah. Sweet. I used to have a TikTok. Yeah. Oh. doing those. Is that for the ladies? YouTube page? Uh, I'm working on my YouTube page right now. I need 100 subscribers so I can get the URL. So. Oh, is that how that works? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I've been watching a bunch, but I'm subscribed. Yeah. So which, which is the best yeah, one? Because you have, you have a few. You have the magic one. 
Um, you got the one that's got some movie shit on there as well. Yeah, it's all it's all on that one page now. So okay, look me up on on YouTube, Clayton T. Stewart, Funny C. T. Stewart, basically on everything: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. TikTok. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna start <laughs> doing those dances and wearing cat ears. Hold on, can I have my cat ears, please? Oh, my cat ears. Give me my cat ears. Oh. Thank you. I'm gonna start. Doing and the lifesaver. <laughs> the cat ears uh, and the lightsaber. There we go. It's a lightsaber. Oh, <laughs> it sounds like Corey's ass yielding or something. <laughs> sounds like a cat coughing up a fur ball. There we go. There, there we go. it is. Yeah. Wow. My nerd overloaded my phone. So. <laughs> Hey Matt, what do you think of this shit? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, we'd break that kid now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Alrighty. Okay. We'll cap right. it off there. Yeah, and if, fun. Uh, if if people want to see another uh, thing, you know, I know Todd wouldn't shut up. So I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know it's terrible. <laughs> Maybe next time do the, the guest. We'll, we'll try and let the guest speak. <laughs> yeah. Next time Todd brings the topic to the table. Yeah. Well, but, we should uh, we yeah, should try to do this like. People, yeah. Go ahead. Another Houdini episode or whatever. I've got much more information. Yes. Yes. Did, uh, quick question before we go. Uh, maybe this will lead into another Houdini episode. Um, did the book talk about the uh, uh, the keyword that he had with his mother? Oh yeah, it did. Oh, okay, it did. So you so you know what that word is? I can't remember what it was now though. But they 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 talked about it because it was the keyword. Well, the, the, he had a keyword with his wife for when he yep. died, yep. and it was this this weird. Um, yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, is the, that what you mean? Like the 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 kind of the the code. I can't remember he had with his Yeah, yeah. And it was the same thing with his mom, too. And it was the proof that if he went into the other side, he came back. This is how you know it was it was it was real. I mean, we could talk about his wife, Bess, Mm -hmm. on end. And um is it Marjorie? I think Marjorie was the uh the the lady that he was trying to disprove, and she was like super popular as a spiritualist. Mm -hmm. And uh that whole thing that that's a movie there. That whole uh, episode of his life for sure, with that lady particularly. Yeah, and she's crazy, man. But yeah, like, what do you guys want to hear? Do you guys want Carol Baskin? <laughs> nice. Uh, but I want to do this more often. Maybe we yeah. can shoot for once a month, or every five weeks, or six weeks, or something. Well, uh, I mean, you should definitely do one with Corey here. So that- uh, yeah. And then Todd and I could just watch. <laughs> yeah. Watch the insanity. Once you guys get going, it's... it's we'll just and, wind and, them up and just let them go. <laughs> you know what? Actually, by the time we do the next one, those strips should be up where... Um, I, I don't want to give away too much, but Todd's appearance in the strip terrifies mm-hmm. Clayton. Fair enough. So I, I really... Uh, when we talk next time, we can maybe... Uh, maybe you can interview Corey play there you go about the strip like, I think why am i so scared why <laughs> with good reason <laughs> don't piss off todd 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just because Todd's cooler than I am, isn't it? Oh, Todd is cooler than everybody. It's exactly way it is. The dude's a guitarist. <laughs> on now. Yeah. Yeah. I just fondle a microphone. <laughs> yeah. I can right. do all the tricks. <laughs> yeah. It's different doing parlor tricks than doing tricks in a parlor, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time, Clay. All right. Thanks, guys. Later. Great. Bye. See you later.